0: Hey, good morning, uh, we're going to continue on our C23 that Pastor Joe Lightner has been walking us through, uh, and uh, this season that we're in, um, the exciting thing, at least for myself and Garrett, that we get to come up here and preach a little bit more often, so hopefully uh, you're excited about that as much as we are, um, but we're going to continue on in this series. We've been hanging out with a man by the name of Solomon the last couple weeks, and uh, if you don't know who Solomon is, we're a little refresher for you. Solomon followed uh, David, his father, and became the king of Israel. And as we looked over the last two weeks, Solomon uh, seemed to have some, some great potential at times. He asked for wisdom from the Lord. He didn't ask for, for riches and anything else. He said, I need wisdom in leading this nation. But ultimately, as we looked at last week... Um, he had some, some hairline cracks. He had some weaknesses in his life, and they ultimately led to the nation of Israel being taken from Solomon. And so, I don't know about last week, as you sat here and you listened to Pastor Joe, I know the Lord was doing a work in me, as he has been over the last couple months, and uh, I hope he was doing the same for you, and as I knew I would be preaching this Sunday, I was listening to him, figuring out where the Lord wanted me to go this week. I just felt like the Lord was saying, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Don't present yourself as more than you are, but just be vulnerable. And so uh, that's where we're going to start this morning. Solomon loved the Lord, but he had these weaknesses, these faults of his um, these hairline cracks in his life. And I, too, love the Lord, but I often fail to put my full trust in the Lord and his plans and his timing. I don't know if anyone else in the room relates to that, but I like to be in control. I like to know what's going to happen. I like to make the things happen, and I've got to remind myself to put my trust in the Lord, his plans and his timing. That's the hard part, right? His timing. I love the Lord, but I often look to men for approval rather than the Lord. And let me tell you, y'all at church are so encouraging to myself, to my wife, to Gerald. We are, y'all are so, so encouraging. And please continue to be, because the Lord uses you to encourage us. But it's our job to remind ourselves that it's the Lord and His approval that we seek. We work for the Lord, not for men, and we have to remind ourselves of that. I love the Lord, but I too often rely on my knowledge, my strength, and my power. And that's where we're going to be hanging out in today. We'll be in 2 Corinthians at chapter 12. You can go ahead and turn there. And so I don't know last week if the Lord spoke to you or what, what work he did in your heart, but... The Lord spoke these things to me. He told me to be vulnerable. I wanted to start there, and I want to take a look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where a, a man by the name of Paul, I don't know if you know him in the Bible, uh, a man by the name of Paul talks about his weaknesses. A little background before we jump in. Um, at this time, there, there there are these apostles that, that, that are um, sharing the news of Jesus, the good news, and the problem was is that many of these, they could be called super apostles, uh, tried to use their knowledge and their wisdom for personal gain. Look at me and look what I know. Look, look, look at what, what I've done. Look, look at me. I want to receive the glory for what I know about our Father in heaven. Kind of backwards, right? And so Paul, in chapter 12, he's going to dive into this. Um, this area here, and he's going to share of a vision and an experience that he had. He's going to speak about it in the third person, and so we'll get there in a minute. And then he's going to talk about a thorn that was given him. This weakness that was given him and how he's, his choice and his decision, he's going to boast in his weakness. And so let's jump right in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this. so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. God, we just come to you. Guys, we open up your word right here in Second Corinthians chapter 12. God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, that you would use me as a voice to speak to the hearts of those in this room. God, it wouldn't be about me, it would be solely about you. God, we thank you for these words that Paul wrote years and years ago, that they're still true today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So right here at the beginning of verse 1, Paul is like reluctant about going about his boasting. I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. I need to do this because I need you to realize that what I, I, I know the truth, that there's been things that have happened to me that, that, that give me a credibility for who I am. I don't really want to do it, but I must go on boasting so that you listen to me, right? The Lord could use me. And then, and, and then in chapter verse 2, he starts to speak in 3rd Person And all throughout this text, he's going to try and remove himself as much as he can, also knowing that it is his experience that he had. He wants the glory to go to the Lord in all things. And so he says, I know a man who in Christ 14 years ago, he had this experience, right? He was caught up to the third heaven. What's the third heaven? You might be asking, uh, well, it's paradise. We read that in the next verse. And it it was believed that the blue sky was the first heaven, that the starry sky was the second heaven, and that paradise where the Lord was, was the third heaven. So there's not levels of heaven. And So Paul describes this experience that he had. Now here's the deal. He's kept this quiet for 14 years. Is there a 14-year-old in the room? How old are y'all? Almost? 14, Luke's 14. 14 years, his entire life, right? Half of my life, don't do the math, right? 14 years, he's kept this experience quiet. Well, what what is this experience that he had? We're going to read about it. But first... He wants us to know, and he does it for for repetition. He says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. The Lord only knows. That is not the point. Whether it was a dream, whether it was a vision, whether the Lord picked me up from the earth and brought me to paradise, I don't know, but I had this revelation. I had this experience when I was brought to the third heaven to God's presence. In verse 4, he says, I heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. So Paul, in his experience that he had, in this this, um, vision or whatever it was, he doesn't necessarily describe what he saw. He just knows that it was paradise in the presence of the Lord but all he describes, the only insight that we get into it, is that he heard things that cannot be uttered by man. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25, where it says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This idea that the Lord's wisdom is beyond our comprehension as mere human beings. And I think so often it was just a reminder to me, sorry this is bothering me, it was just a reminder to me that there's so many things in our theology that, 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 are, that are true, absolute truth that we can hold on to. But there's also so many things that we can get in so many arguments and debates on. And I just feel like the Lord is like, hey, Paul had this experience, he was in my presence, and he saw things, he heard things that affected his ministry, it was 14 years ago, and he could not... Utter them, right? My, my, my foolishness is so beyond your capability of wisdom. And Paul describes this experience as, as, as going in the presence of the Lord, hearing these things. But once again, it's not for his gain. It's not for the people can look at him and say, oh, look how special Paul is that he had this experience. He kept it quiet for 14 years. So 14 years ago, he has this experience. He gets called up to heaven. He hears these things. They go on to shape his entire life and his entire uh, dedication to the Lord. Oftentimes when I read about Paul, we read it in, in, in chapter 11. You can read about all the different persecutions and things that Paul went through. He writes in the first person there. But over and over and over and over and over again, his walk with the Lord led to difficult, difficult times. And I just think, man... He had this experience, he had this revelation, and it didn't matter what the difficult thing on earth was, he was living his life solely for the Lord and his glory. We look at verse 5 and 6, he says, if I, if I wish to boast, I would not be a fool, because I'd be speaking the truth, right? I, I, I can't tell you all this, because it actually happened, I'm not, I'm not lying, but I refrain from it. Why? So that God gets the glory, I don't get the glory, that you may not look, you you may not see more in me than I am a a vessel used by the Lord, willingly available to him. So 14 years ago, he has this this experience, but also 14 years ago, Paul received a, a thorn. In verse 7. It says to keep me from becoming conceited because Paul wasn't immune to, to, to pride, to keep me from becoming prideful, conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of this revelation. What he saw was amazing. He says a thorn was given me in the flesh. Now there's all sorts of debates on what the thorn might be, but the reality is, the scripture does not tell us what the thorn is. Some people think it's uh, uh, malaria. Some people think it's a, a speech uh, problem. Ultimately, there was a thorn given to Paul so that he would be reminded of who he was, his humanity, and that it wasn't about him, but it's about Christ getting the glory, the whole step of the way. One thing we do know about it, it says it's a messenger of Satan to harass me. And there's another story in Scripture, Job, where, the Lord come, or, where, where Satan comes to the Lord and wants to inflict something on his servant Job. And the Lord allows certain things at certain points. It's likely that Satan didn't really like what was going on in Paul's life. He didn't know, he was killing Christians at one point in time in his life. And then the Lord met him, and now all of a sudden he's going around preaching the name of Jesus. And Satan probably wanted to stop that at at all that he could, right? And so likely the Lord allowed Satan to put a thorn in Paul's flesh. But what Satan thought was doing harm, God had different plans, right? He had a different plan that it might be used only for, for good. There's a, the, the, the word that's used for this thorn here, I, I, as we try to figure out, you know, what, what, what type of um, weakness is this, the word, it, it, it's not like, a, like sitting on a thumbtack, or like getting a splinter, and it's like, oh, my foot kind of hurts, like, it was more described as like a tent stake, like this, this, this big thorn in your side that you can't really, like, forget about. That you can't, like, get distracted with something. It's like it's constantly in your mind. It's a big thing. That's the thorn that, that the Lord allowed Paul to have. After he had this revelation 14 years ago, which he le- kept secret until this moment right here as he's writing this letter in Second Corinthians verse 8 says three times i pleaded with the lord about this that it should leave me. And what what what's the what's the message here? Well i think it's the it, i think it's paul living out what he preached and wrote. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests may, may be sorry, be made known to god. When you, when you dig into the text, Paul didn't just ask three times and he was like, Alright God, well I've asked three times so I'll just set it aside. It's more of a figure of speech of ongoing, going over and over and over again. I pleaded with the Lord and asked that he would bring relief to this thorn in my flesh. But there's two ways that the Lord could have given relief. Number one... He could have removed the thorn if he wanted to. God can do all things, right? And he could have removed the thorn if he wanted to. However, God's answer, God's response was so much greater than that. The response was a no. However, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So my grace is sufficient for you. I am enough. I am going to strengthen you that you might be able to continue what you're doing. The thorn's going to stay there. You're going to continue what you're doing under my power, under my authority, under who I am in your life. As I, as I read and studied, I, I couldn't help but think that God's grace is only made sufficient When we accept that we're insufficient. And in America, where we tend to have everything and we have the roof over our head and we have the job that pays for the food that goes on our table. I'm guilty of it too. I think we forget that the Lord is in all of that. That he provides those things. Every time a freeze is coming, Miss Carol in our office, she's like, you know. We always forget that the the Lord provides electricity. I'm like, you're right. We do forget that. It's true. But it's only in our insufficiency that the Lord's grace can be sufficient. It says his power is made perfect. What does that mean? Well, if you're a believer in the room, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit... The third part of the Trinity lives inside of you. And any time that you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, any time you invite the Holy Spirit into that moment, that conversation, that situation, God's power is then made complete. Otherwise, it's just sitting there. And yes, God can do anything and everything, right? But you got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He wants us to tap into it. It says that God's grace is sufficient. How is God's grace sufficient? Well, I, think, I think for Paul, God's and for us, God, God's grace is an expression of his acceptance and approval. God's saying, yes, continue on. I'm here for you. I'm with you. It's going to be hard. You're going to have difficulties but my grace is sufficient, and it's an approval of what you're doing here on this world that you don't belong because you're an alien because you belong to be in paradise with me. Keep on going. God's grace was sufficient because it was available at all times. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. There's not like a time when like the Holy Spirit's taking a nap and you're like, "Hey, wake up, I need you right now." It's readily available at all times. And thirdly, God's grace is sufficient because his grace is the unmatched power. It's God's unmatched power. We think we know what's best. We think we can be in control. We think we can, we can, we can do all these things, but it's only through the power of Christ that his grace is sufficient and that his power is made, made perfect. And so as I read this text... I couldn't help but think, and I I came across this quote that I want to read you. It says this, Think about this man, Paul. Was he a weak or a strong man? The man who traveled the ancient world spreading the gospel of Jesus, despite the fiercest persecutions, who endured shipwrecks and imprisonments, who preached to kings, And slaves who established strong churches and trained up leaders was not a weak man. In the light of his life and his accomplishments, we would say that Paul was a very strong man all throughout this scripture. Paul, a weak man? But here's the catch. He was only strong because he knew his weaknesses and looked outside of himself for the strength of God's grace. If we want lives of such strength, we also must understand and admit our weaknesses and look to God alone for the grace that will strengthen us for any task. And I love this right here. It was the grace-filled Paul who said... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You cannot do all things unless it is Christ that is strengthening you. We live in a world where weakness is not uh, it's not cool, it's not in, it's not popular, whatever word you want to use. And in fact, in our weakness, we so often try to deny it. I don't have a weakness. I'm, I'm strong. I can do it with the, the the message of the world. You're enough. You're strong enough. We try to disguise it. There's a book on my shelf in here called Strength Finder. It's all about discovering the strengths that you have, that you might operate in those strengths and avoid your weaknesses. So that people don't see them. You disguise them in your strengths. Or the, uh, the interview question, what's your greatest weakness? And you're like, well, it's a weakness, but at the same time, it's a strength. Let me spin it, right? I don't want you to realize and see my weakness. Or we try and deflect. Avoid the questions. We want people to see that we're strong, that we're enough, that we can handle it. And when we deny, when we disguise, when we deflect, ultimately what we do is we deprive ourselves of the blessing that God wants for us. And what's that blessing? (laughs) The blessing is that God's power would be made complete in our lives. That's the blessing. God wants to use us. He wants his power to be made complete in you. And when we deny, disguise, deflect our weakness, when we rely upon ourselves, truly we suppress. Don't hear me say we have the power to suppress God's power, but we suppress God's power because we think we can handle it on our own. And so, it's January 15th, 2023, here at Katie's First. First. And the reality is you have myself, a student pastor, you've got Garrett Moore, a worship pastor, and this is your pastoral leadership here at Katie's First. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here's the deal. We don't want to be anything more than we are. I don't want to come up here and, and, and try to be Pastor Coleman. I'm not Pastor Coleman, right? I'm going to come up here and I'm going to be used by the Lord, how the Lord wants to use me. We don't want to claim we have all the answers. But this is our promise to you. This is what the Lord is working and doing in my life, is that we would be available. That the name of Jesus will be glorified in and through this body right here at Katie's First. For however long this season is. That is the prayer. That is the hope. That is the desire of us. And I'll tell you what, the Lord's been working in me. Hey, you don't have it. You have it with me. Rely on me. At the same time, the Lord has provided so many encouraging things just in the last couple weeks. If you're visiting with us this, this morning, if you've been coming with us, we would love for you to be a part of this family. We really, really would. Just this, just this afternoon in and in a couple hours, we have 12 people that have said, hey, we want to belong here at Katie's First, and we have a new member class for them. Praise the Lord. That's what we can praise the Lord for. And so if that's you here in this room, I'm going to be right down here in just a moment when we begin worshiping, and I would love to have that conversation with you. And if you're in the room this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't really care what I've said up until this point. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel that you need to hear. This is why you're here this morning. This Bible says that all have fallen, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is this. This Bible also says that he who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, he came to this earth and he lived a life, he faced temptations, he faced difficulties, he had the emotions of man, yet he did not sin. And he willingly went to the cross. He died for me, he died for you. Ultimately, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That God might look at us and he see a children of the Lord that is clean. And that when we die or the Lord comes back, we will spend eternity with him in heaven. That is the good news of the gospel. And so Romans ten nine says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that in your heart, you'll be saved. And so if that's you in this room and you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to be right here, and I would love more than anything to have that conversation with you.